You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Happy New Year, strong, feisty women. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday season and is looking forward to the new year. I, for one, am stoked to roll into 2024 with one of the most requested guests from the past couple of years, the wildly popular Peloton instructor and Masters World Champion and many-time Masters National Champion track racer, Christine Dierkel. She has started using her enormous platform to share her experiences with perimenopause, and it has not gone unnoticed. I have received an avalanche of requests for her since she has started talking about it, and I am very excited to bring this conversation to you. Christine has a whole lot of power in her pedals, more than a thousand watts worth to be exact. But as a writer and speaker, she has even more power in her words and the messages that she puts out into the world. Like, we are so much bigger than a smaller pair of pants. And that we should take our waistlines off the finish lines of our lives. She helps women empower themselves by changing their self-talk and helps guide them through her word shops, which are workshops devoted to self-talk, with her signature mantra, I am... I can, I will, I do. We cover so much ground here, including Christine's menopause experience, her body image battles, and how she uses self-talk in her own life, and you can too. Christine is also known for putting together incredible playlists for her Peloton classes, and I asked her what she might put on a menopause playlist, and she created a banging 26-song odyssey on Spotify. And I have been loving it. And I'm sure you will too. I will make sure to put a link to that in the show notes so you can download it and enjoy it in whatever you do. Speaking of enjoy, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. You can find out more about Christine and her work and her word shops at christinedierkel.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. All right, quickly, before we get to it, give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Feisty Menopause. Sign up for my free weekly blog at feistymenopause.com and keep those eyes peeled for a brand new course that we're going to be offering in this new year called Navigate Menopause. You're going to love it. And I have been working very hard on it. Okay, if you like this show, Head on over to Apple and give us a good review and rating. It helps me continue to get great guests like Christine and a bunch more I have lined up in this new year. Again, Happy New Year. Let's get on with the show. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are stoked to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's has unlocked the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research and creates better shoes for women's performance. Some of Hedda's special features include a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing on women's ankle bones, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and accommodate female toe shape, a more narrow and reductive heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take pressure off the Achilles, a rounded instep that creates a snug fit through the middle to match the curvature of a woman's foot and supercritical foam and a PBEX plate in the midsole to keep our legs going when the going gets tough. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for your long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've been running in the Alma Tempos and they are a pleasure to train in. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20, that's all caps, FEISTY20, for 20% off. Check it out today. We'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Good sleep. 
The one thing that sets you up for a great workout and a good day is quality sleep. We talk about it all the time here on the show, which is why I'm stoked to have Lagoon Sleep as a new sponsor. Because one of the most overlooked tools in a great sleep toolbox is the thing you literally rest your head on eight hours a night, your pillow. A quality pillow is everything. Otherwise, you end up tossing, turning, punching, and folding your pillow, waking up with neck pain, and all the stuff that happens when your pillow doesn't meet your personal comfort needs. Say hello to the most comfortable sleep you've ever had with Lagoon. They start you out with a two-minute personalized pillow quiz and then pair you with your perfect pillow. I got the Otter, a cooling adjustable pillow that is perfect for side sleepers who run warm at night like I do. It is a dream. It's fully adjustable, so I was able to get the perfect loft and support and the cooling feature is everything. As someone who turned into a furnace every evening before menopause, I appreciate that the otter is stuffed with shredded gel-infused memory foam, which instead of trapping heat from my neck and head, draws it away and dissipates it. It's truly delightful. I'm a good sleeper, and otter's taken it to the next level with both support and cooling. Put my head down, good night, Irene. My aura ring confirms what little tossing and turning I was doing is gone. The beauty of the pillow quiz is you can get the perfect pillow that you need to and make your sleep the best sleep you can have. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash hit play and take the two minute quiz to find your perfect match and then use the code hit play all caps one word for 15% off your first purchase. Sweet dreams. Okay, Christine, I am ridiculously excited to have you here in front of me. I, uh, As I was just saying before I hit record, I've been trying for a year, which is a record for me. I can't believe it. <laughs> to get you on the show. So be unbeknownst to you, don't, don't anybody think she was just blowing me off. I was trying all different channels and I finally hit one that worked. But so wow. I'm very excited. I am so excited. Thank you. And before we start, because I, I will do my intro separately and I will try to say your last name. And I know it's not um, so easy to pronounce. I was saying Dierkel, but I that might not be correct. Help me out. Okay. So it means of Hercules. In Ita- I know. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. It's dramatic. I'm dramatic. It, it fits. Um, and the proper Italian pronunciation is Dierkele. I will do my best, man. Diercole. Dier- is there a role in there? Diercole. Diercole. Yeah, Diercole. Diercole. And, um, but I don't always pronounce it that way because because it's a lot. And if you're just trying to like get registered into your hotel room, you're like, I just... just I just need a room. It's just <laughs> yeah. Diercole. Right, there's a line behind <laughs> me. Just, uh, yeah, because like who has time for that all the time? But... um I do love that name. And I will tell you that um, I made sure that it is my daughter's last name. So I've turned the patriarchal line into the matriarchal line. That makes me very happy. That is because uh, that name should should live on with you. That name should right? continue. I agree. I agree with that. So we have gotten um, we have literally thousands of Peloton members in our hit play not pause listenership and community i know because i we let them in you know and they tell us where they found us so like there's and since since you have started openly speaking about hot flashes and perimenopause while you're riding your bike and doing your show you know i've gotten an avalanche of requests to have you here mm. i mean it's just it's you've really really moved a lot of people and i personally want to thank you for like using that large platform for speaking about this because it literally changes lives and i so thank you. Um, I want to focus the conversation. We could talk all day about your life, but I want to focus the conversation really there because Christine, I get so many messages from women and it literally like makes my heart hurt. You know, they their bodies are changing during this time of life and the things they say about themselves, it just is devastating. Uh, their confidence is shaken. Their self-image is shattered. I see it every day damn day and you know when i saw your your message you know that is very prominently pinned on on your instagram and i I hear it a lot to take your waistline off your finish line of your life i thought oh then nobody needs to hear this more and i'd love you to like maybe start speaking to that when did you devise that line for your life um that 
I mean, my my life, my entire life has been. I, I grew up in ballet, mm. where this <laughs> visual. Say no more. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> like that's it. Enough podcast over. Um, but it's not just ballet; it's the world that we live in that tells us we need to look a certain way, behave a certain way, which is all about being smaller and quieter, and delicate and. Um, and I was not born that way and emotionally or physically. And it, it, I have battled myself my whole life to try to fit into that narrative that was not mine. And um, it, it's, you know, I've, I've been through my entire teenage existence in all kinds of self-harm from eating disorders and, and, and cutting myself as a kid. I mean, it was, I did all of it punishing myself because I couldn't fit into that tiny ballerina narrative. And so that, that the, the line, take your waistline off the finish line is something that came to me. It just popped out in a class one day that I was teaching. I don't know, a bunch of years ago, the same way I am. I can, I will, I do just came out of my mouth one day class in the early two thousands. Um, and I, I think that that is those lines that come out, those strings of words that sort of encapsulate or crystallize an idea or concept is um well it's part of what i i love about teaching because you have this magical experience of movement and thought and self-talk and challenge and how we navigate that and when those strings of words just come out i don't know i live for that i live for those moments um and take your waistline off the finish line (laughs) just resonates it resonates strongly uh, with a lot of people, with myself included, because all of this, this conversation that we're having with ourselves about, I am not good enough. I am not small enough. I am not whatever. I'm not cool enough. I am too big. I am. And what we can or can't do about it becomes a really defeatist conversation. Most of the time we, we talk shit to ourselves. We would never talk to anybody else that way. And, and women's waistlines will expand at some level, you know, as they go through menopause and get older. Like, why the fuck? Can I curse? Why yes. <laughs> are we like, oh my God, it is so ingrained in us that we walk by a mirror. That's like one of the first things that we, we look at and we judge ourselves against that. And every time I come down the stairs to go get on my bike in the basement and I've got my bibs on and I'm like... And I'm talking against that in everything I do in life. And yet the habit, the habit of looking at myself as I come down those stairs and see that mirror at the bottom of the stairs, the the habit of self-judgment is so deeply ingrained in all of us. And I just, I want, like, try to imagine what would it be like if there were no mirrors? I've had this conversation on the show. Yeah. This, oh my God. It, that occurred to me. It's, I don't know when it's been like a lingering thought for a long time. If there were like, could I reimagine my life without mirrors? Um. And what would life be like? What, what would, what would we do with our time? If we weren't thinking about what we looked like. Especially in bed. (laughs) (laughs) But and I will say this one space where I am not thinking about what I look like is when I'm racing my bike. I didn't think that was coming after you just said in bed. (laughs) I was like, where's where's this show going? (laughs) I'm glad you said that too. (laughs) Because because and and that's Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, you know when I listen to some other shows about your journey, it seems like you really did step into your power and and full acceptance and appreciation even of your body because yeah. you recognize what literally the power that it could have on a bike. Yeah, 
I do feel like I have, I, 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 it's funny. I do feel like I have stepped into my power in that regard. And at the same time, I'm still having those conversations sometimes in my head with myself. I don't think it ever completely goes away. I think we just get better at managing the narrative, managing that inner dialogue. We become, I mean, that's what my workshops are about, is about developing the skills to manage and direct those conversations with ourselves um, so that those the the words that are that are holding us back, those those really fucked up negative core beliefs about ourselves, um, instead of them having power over us, we can turn them around to empower us. Imagine if if when you walk down the stairs, you also like would be like, thank you, Belly, for like producing yes. some more hormones during this time of life and for setting yeah. me up for a healthier old age. Because right. like those studies are there, too, that a little more weight is actually predictive of longevity than yeah. being skinny. Right. I know. And that's that is that this is the conversation when I'm standing there in front of the mirror Um and and remembering the little girl standing in front of the mirror, wishing that she could literally shave parts of herself off to saying those legs were built for something. And whether or not I won the race, I had joy in the race on a bicycle. And those legs give me freedom and it make me feel empowered and make me feel strong and and make me proud of myself and then i'm like okay yeah i have to i have to share because yes there's a there's a woman in um i i will definitely cry during this episode at some point because this is so (laughs) emotional for me but there's a there's a woman in um our membership in our group who has you know she's definitely struggled uh, with the whole body composition changes and and with some of the weight and she's typically been an endurance athlete she got on a track bike <gasps> you better believe it and like talk about someone lighting up and i was like yes oh. you know like that is amazing like you have that's yes go to it <laughs> you know like, yes oh god that brings me so much joy i could cry the the track bike specifically i feel personally the the track bike this this bike with no brakes and the fixed gear and and riding up on that 40 something degree banking absolutely petrifying and to, to come into this like especially in middle age it's like, oh no, that's for the kid. No, 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 this is a really powerful place to be. And the, there are women on my team who had never, ever, didn't even know what a velodrome was or even understood the concept of what a fixed gear bicycle is, um, who are like racing now. I love that. I love that. Really, it's really so, cool. it's so great. So, so let's, let's go a little bit. I, I'm curious now that you're sort of, you know, immersed in the menopause transition as it were looking back like was that ever on your radar did you ever think about perimenopause or menopause nope 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 no i um i i think that like many young people you think this it's never actually going to happen to me um at the same time, I do have a, a very doom mindset. <laughs> I'm, I'm prone to doom, um, like imagining the worst possible thing happening um, on a regular basis. Um, but like menopause was just not something that it, it didn't occur to me. And when you know, those little moments of little moments, big moments rather of the sweats the flashes you're like oh let's no it's just it's that's it couldn't be that it couldn't be that um and then and dealing with you know getting to race weight um like oh it's not so easy this time 
<laughs> it's a little harder. Um, and trying to navigate that, it, like, no, it wasn't on my radar until these these moments start to collect where you're, you're questioning yourself, is it that? And I've been in my head, like, in this dance between watching for the tipping point. Like, when will enough moments have accumulated that I am now over... <laughs> to use that term over the hill. Um, Like at what point will I never hit those Watts again? Mm. Or at what point am I going to be unable to get stronger? And it's, and it becomes a game of maintaining Mm -hmm. and preventing loss. Like where's, when does, when is that transition official? And I'm trying not to look for that moment. That's so interesting. And there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so rewinding a little bit, when do when did those when did the I'll just call them symptoms or signs of your hormonal, you know, life changing? When did when did the light bulb go off? Like I saw a post from May on Instagram where you were like, what the F is wrong with me? I, I I'm struggling with the fog, you know, brain fog. Like, when did you actually, the word perimenopause come into your existence? Uh, You know, it really, after my crash last year, Mm. in August. Tell people about that a little bit who don't know. It was the last race before world championships. I was ready to go to world championships. It was only three or four weeks before going. Um, And it was the last race at the velodrome here in Pennsylvania. Yep. And it was just a, it was a, it was a silly race. You know what I mean? Everybody was out just having fun. There was no, there were no high stakes to this race. And there was a small field. There was only seven women in the race. And I got, I got bumped at high speed and it was, I have, I have been able to knock on wood, um, keep myself from crashing so many times I've had close calls. I've been, I've somehow managed through some level of bike handling skills to stay upright. I've only had like three, three spills and none of them were bad. Like I got back up and raced again before. And this time I went down and I, st- I still in my head, I was like, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm a little scraped. My helmet's cracked. I'm sure that I could hear it. And the, <laughs> and I remember laying there in a ball at the bottom of the track. And we were supposed to go tubing that afternoon. I had been, I wanted to go tubing on the Delaware. <laughs> and All of my friends, my daughter was in town. We were all going to go tubing down the Delaware. This was something I've been wanting to do for a long time. Today was the day. And I said, I, I think we'll be fine. We'll just be a little bit late. <laughs> and then I heard a clack bang and and then my friend Mallory was 10 feet overhead literally flying through the air and she landed ahead of me um and I thought "Hmm, maybe maybe tubing is off the table (laughs) (laughs) um it's wild how when you're in such a uh trauma the brain just wants to hold on to what's normal going tubing was like normal right um and yeah so then i spent the night in the hospital and i had broken my collarbone my scapula was cracked in two places and i had broken second and third ribs oh yeah and there was no world championships. There was no tubing. And Mallory was in the hospital for an entire week. Oof. And she, the rear, the, the back of her hip socket was destroyed and had to be rebuilt. She's got a scar from the middle of her butt, three quarters of the way down her thigh. Yeah. Um, 
so the all of that to say, I got my period <laughs> <laughs> in the hospital. And I'm like, this is not convenient. And I was it was explained to me that this is like a trauma response. Um, and then I didn't get it again until January. Huh. So every month that went by, I was like, is this just a trauma thing? Or it or did I get like slingshot into I I don't know. I don't know if there is an answer. And it, it my period had been off and on. I'd had like miss a couple months here and a couple months there for maybe three years. But okay, it's definitely starting. But uh that that period of time from September to January. It's like, okay, this is something's really happening. And I could I could feel just a difference. Um and I, you know, I, okay, well, I, I don't really have a choice. I gotta go on this ride. <laughs> it's happening to me. It's happening to me. And the idea of something, you know, there there are methods of managing it out there hormone replacement which i have not explored yet um all kinds of things you can do with what you're eating and making sure you're sleeping and staying hydrated all the good things that we do to take care of ourselves to help manage it but it's still happening it's still happening and it's happening to us and even if we do take measures to uh quiet the symptoms or alleviate the symptoms, we're, we're still dealing with it and we can't avoid dealing with it. And that shift in thinking that something beyond my control is happening to me is it's there's mortality is tied up in there. Sure is. And yeah. I've, I've always thought that's why a lot of people, um, I've always thought that's why it has traditionally been a shadowy sort of stigmatized conversation because it's so wrapped up in ageism and fear and all the other i mean there's so much wrapped up in it it's not just the end of your reproductive cycle you know it's just like there's so no, much it's like more. the end of your your visibility it, it i mean that's what we're taught you're taught but you've become i would argue more visible and well that's where i think more visible in a positive way is where mm-hmm. we're going now. Um, I watched the film. This was perfect timing. Nyad last night. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. And the, the ferocity of determination at 62, 60, whatever, 60, whatever um, that, you know, we, we, we're called crazy. We're called all of those, you know, negative. When a woman's determination gets loud, she's called a lot of negative things. And why, why should we turn our volume down? Why? How are we less important? How should we fade now if i saw that movie 10 years ago i i may have had a different perspective Mm. 20 years ago i'd be like oh the the that's nice (laughs) oh you know i mean i would have been inspired i know i would have been inspired because i know who i am and i know what moves me i would have been inspired but i wouldn't have understood Mm -hmm. what it is to be in this period of life Mm-hmm. And what that determination meant back then. And it meant so much to me now. Musculoskeletal health is everything during menopause. Everyone knows how much I love Joint Health Plus from Prevenex, which has helped me get back to distance running after arthritic toes stopped me in my tracks. Now they have a product that has become my go to for muscle strength and recovery Muscle Health Plus. Muscle Health Plus contains all the key ingredients we talk about on this show, like creatine monohydrate, essential amino acids, and branched-chain amino acids, 
plus even more cutting-edge ingredients like HMB and estrogen that are scientifically shown to increase muscle growth, recovery, and strength. I use it every day during my early morning lifting sessions, and there's no question that it helps my power during those workouts and my recovery after. Plus, I love having everything I need from the best high-quality ingredients in one reasonably priced shake. I've also heard from fellow users who have had bloating or GI upset in the past from creatine that haven't had any of that with Muscle Health Plus. I make my shake with almond milk and espresso, but it's also good with ice cold water, which makes the flavor really pop. As always, you can get 15% off your first order with the code HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. That's HIPPLAY, all caps, one word, at Prevenex.com. Do your muscles a favor and head on over and get some today. As a lifelong runner and cyclist, I am stoked to announce that Tifosi Optics has come on as a podcast sponsor. The beauty of Tifosi sports glasses is that they hit all the marks. They are shatterproof polycarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance and complete eye protection. They stay put. They have little hydrophilic rubber nose pads that actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they stay secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in sauna-like conditions. No matter what sport you do, they have a shade for your activity, including tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, and just hanging out at the beach. And they are super reasonably well-priced, which is very hard to find in a sea of overpriced eyewear. And they just look freaking rad. So head on over to tifosioptics.com and use the code FM, capital F, and capital M, like Feisty Menopause, number 20, FM20, to get 20% off your order today. I'll put a clickable link in the show notes to make it a snap. Well, let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, you 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 went straight into your this looking, watching the needle, you know, which I thought was such an interesting metaphor on your power and your strength and wondering, you know, when that when can I still move that needle and when am I just trying to hold the needle? and When does the needle start inching back? You know, I mean, as athletes, we all kind of, you know, understand that very implicitly. Um all of that said, you know, I believe you're 52 now. Is yeah. that correct? Mm-hmm. And I heard you talk in an interview where you were talking about how you had, were strong as you had ever been at 50, you know, and yeah. you had like a lot of these accomplishments racing at age 51 at elite nationals, you know, getting third in a race with Olympians. Then I watch you, uh, I did a, one of your classes very recently, like before Thanksgiving, where you were talking about your, you know, it was a power zone max ride. And you said, I once hit 1500 Watts these days, <clears throat> menopause, I'm lucky to break a mm-hmm. thousand, you know, where, where are you in that journey? I mean, is it, you know, I know you've started strength training. I'd love to hear a little bit about that too, but like, where are you with watching your Watts feeling strong, trying to get strong? You know, what does that look like now? So now I, and my mindset is I have nothing to complain or cry about if I am not putting in the time. I can't, I can't get mad if I don't hit something, if I'm not actually doing the whole workout <laughs> and recovering mm. the balance, um, committing to the whole cycle of the periodized training, doing the whole thing. Because I would often do like three quarters of a work. <laughs> <laughs> I like that honesty. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh my God. My coach, Missy Erickson, um, would give me a workout. I've got like five efforts, one minute at stupid Watts, mm-hmm. with seven minutes of recovery. I'm like, oh God, seven minutes of recovery. You need that recovery to do those Watts. However, I'm like, oh, it's eight o'clock at night. I got to make dinner. Oh. <clears throat> and and I would do three of them. Yeah. But I also would be battling my ego because I'd be trying to overshoot what she gave me. And then I'd go into a downward spiral because the number she gave me was so far out of reach because she was trying to dangle a carrot in front of me just to see how close I could get. I'm not holding 637 <laughs> watts for a minute. Stop it. I can actually, I cannot do that. <laughs> my body is not capable of that and it's okay. Um, but 
playing this psychological game with myself and cutting myself short because my ego is standing in the way. And so I've been rethinking all of that and doing sort of just like I preach in class, having a healthier perspective on what those metrics mean. And it's not about hitting that number. It is about how close can you get and how do you handle the moment when you want to give up and how do you pace yourself to get back in? What are the things you say to yourself? You may have heard me say in class, you're going to want to stop pedaling. Even if you go slower, keep pedaling. It's training the brain in that regard that actually makes us stronger in a in a much larger way, in a, in a much more global way. Um, and so my thinking now is regardless of menopause, I am putting in the time. I have I have taken other things off of my plate because I put way too things way too many things on my plate. I have been very strategically removing things from my plate so that I can focus on this self-care to see what I can do, to see what my potential is. Because I've gotten I've gotten pretty far doing 80% of the work. And you know, there's a lot to be said for that balance. Mm-hmm. However, right now I'm in this space where I I want to put in closer to a hundred and see what happens. And part of that is the strength training because in the past I've been a little, you know, spotty with it. (laughs) I've been committed and then I've dropped off. And, but then I would also, again, the ego, I'm being so transparent here. I would try to lift more than I should. Mm. And then I tweak something. I get a little tweak in my back or a tweak in my ankle or a tweak in my shoulder. And then I'm out for however long. And then you go through that whole downward spiral of like, well, what's the point? And well, forget it. I'm just going to see what I can do without strength training. Right, right. <laughs> and lo and behold, I still did pretty well. Um, but... The strength training now, it's 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 more than what can I do as an athlete. It's it's about preserving my ability to stand upright. It is about preserving my my uh, my mobility and to 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 keep moving in the world because you know you sit still too long and. It, you stop moving. So I don't see myself ever stopping moving unless somebody else stopped me, but it is more about my health and overall well-being. And if I get an athletic benefit from it, rock on. I can't say enough about that. I mean, only because I, like you, I actually, I was very spotty. I would do it like before the season just to sort of get everything strong to train, but then it would just go. And I was, I was plenty strong without it. And I just didn't do it. I, now I prioritize strength so much because I can really feel it. I can feel it just doing the dishes. I can feel it all for everything. You know, I feel like really strong and amazing and I can hundred percent feel it on my bike. So um, I'm excited for you because I do think that, with that consistency and are you getting, are you getting trained there too? Is that, are you following a structured program? Uh, Yeah. My, my coach Missy has a whole program for me for cycling and for strength. Good. Yeah. And I click off every exercise and I'm very proud of myself and I modify, I modify where I need to. Um, You know, the shoulder is still a little funky and, you know, the program says add five more. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to stay right here right now. (laughs) So I'll drop it on my face. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean, yeah, that's, those are smart adjustments to make, but I do. I'm, I'm curious. Like I'd love to 
I'll, I'll keep an eye on how you feel as you go through yes. it because um, I think that you're going to be pleasantly, uh, there'll be some pleasant revelations. Well, and there already have been. Like I, my low back, I always have low back uh, stiffness from spending, what is it, 30 years on a bike? <laughs> my body wants to be in this position. Um, and and so when I try to do anything else, there's all this tightness there. But since I've been doing the strength work, that stiffness is dissipating. Yeah. I find that with my hips. Like, yeah. I, you know, same thing. I sit and I write all day. And my favorite thing is, of course, being on a bike. And it's just like always the same position and shocking. You know, they get kind of cr cranky. But like strength training on a regular basis makes it all go away. So yeah. I just... It is, it is a priority. So what are your day-to-day -day symptoms now? I mean, are you sleeping well? Do you still, I know that there's probably still hot flashes and such. Yeah, but. there's an occasional hot flash and it, they'll come in like, like a flock. <laughs> but then there won't be any for, for a while. It, it could be like, there was, that several several weeks ago, during that time when I didn't that that post about the the crazy fog and the bumper cars in my head, um, where I had I don't know seven or eight flashes one evening. I was just sitting there with Brian on the sofa watching TV, and I'm like, "Can you feel this?" And you weren't even stressed out, like nothing was. I was watching TV, and I got just clammy, like like a volcano, and and then it lasted. I don't know, a few minutes and then it went away. And I don't know, an hour later it comes up again. And I started timing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember when my mother was timing my contractions. I was just gonna say that sounds <laughs> like I was giving birth. And um <laughs> and then and then it just stopped. But then also it it's it's shown itself in random middle of the night, gotta change the sheet sweats. Yeah, I had those. Those those have thankfully those went away. But there was about a year where it was literally like I was like a sprinkler system, like in Palm Springs. It was just like like projectile sweating, like a river of water running down my spine. Yes. I was like, and of course that was like before I knew anything before I started the show. And I was like, and I used to furnace sometimes during hard training blocks, mm. and I kind of wrote it off to that. But I was a hundred percent not that. It was definitely the. Right. Because I would also have like I'd wake up and feel like the the sky was falling, like really panicked, kind of have to sort of talk myself down and soaked in sweat. Um, yeah, that was not a picnic. I'm glad that that subsided. <laughs> I, you know, I had moments I had some of those periodically in my 30s. I don't know if that was like a super, super early moment. I do remember now that we're talking about it. I forgot about this. I had a, a stretch of time in my thirties where I like, there's like, there's no way you're going through perimenopause in your thirties. However, I had symptoms like that. I had these, maybe it was stress. Maybe it was, yeah, I was not in a great place at that time. It life. can affect your, your HPA axis and your the hormones that affect your, your cycle. They're, they're like this man, they're very intertwined. So that's why stress can like, make you stop getting your period. You know I mean? It's yes. we women are complicated. Very sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> How has the response been? I mean, I know from my end what the response has been from your community um, since you started openly, but I'm curious, like Peloton, they are obviously very cool with you saying whatever you want. How is your community? You know, I have, I have been completely supported you know, I, I started talking about it because I, I talk about what's really going on with me. I don't. Um, oh, yeah. People know about your marriage. Your life. <laughs> it's awesome. Open book. <laughs> but I. If we're not talking about what's real, what are we talking about? Like, yeah. wh what's the point of talking if we're not talking about what's real? And I did. Um, I brought it up in a production meeting. I said, so I've been talking about this stuff. And I'm thinking that, uh, you know, without too much planning or anything, I'm just, I'm going to continue talking about this. There, the it is appreciated. Uh, 
um, it's it makes me feel seen and it makes them feel seen. And, the you know, I know that I have a uh, a niche audience, if you will. Um, you know, I'm not playing all of the pop music. I'm always looking for something darker. or some more profound storytelling Mm. um in my music and in how I teach my classes and this this just falls right into being true to myself and so I've I am totally supported um we we did throw out the idea of like well is there like menopause class and I'm like I don't think that there's menopause class I just think that it's be, it's a natural organic part of the conversation I'm having with myself and sharing that in the teaching of my classes is just, it's, it's another step on the journey. And I would argue that that's really how you normalize it. Yeah. Not by making it a separate class. Right. It's happening in whatever class you're taking. Right. What would that class look like? <laughs> It's we're still doing our classes. We're still exercising. We're still doing self-care. Um, if, you know, if someone's grossed out by or thinks it's odd or weird to talk about, then they can take somebody else's class. There's a lot of choices. And if they think that that's odd to talk about, they probably aren't taking my classes to begin with anyway. Right. No, I I, I think that I like it right in there because that's where the power lies in my right. in my opinion i know you do a lot of word shop at, like you know and like you mentioned at the top of this conversation i am i can i will i do the things that just come out that become mantras and then take on this life force of their own yeah. and as i was preparing for this conversation i was like boy i'd love her to word shop perimenopause through that mantra <laughs> so i mean like if you were to do i am i can i will i do for the women, you know, listening to this, what what might you say? Um, I would say that, first of all, let me start by saying, if we could have a transcript of our inner dialogue <laughs> at the end of the day and read it, we would find laced throughout all of the things we said that many of those sentences start with the words, either I am, I can, I will, or I do, whether it is positive, tentative, or negative. The I am, I am not, I can, I could, couldn't, can't, will, would, wouldn't, won't, do, didn't, don't. Mm -hmm. And we listen to what we're telling ourselves. We listen to those conversations without realizing that we have, we can, if we claim it, have agency in the conversation. Until we realize that we have agency in the conversation that we're having with ourselves, it's driving us. We obey. (laughs) And... Once we realize that it is possible to catch ourselves, to listen to the conversation, we spend a lot of time blocking the conversation we're having with ourselves, like numbing out from it because it hurts to listen to. But if we tune in and actually hear what's happening, then we can interrupt that conversation with ourselves and change the direction, the trajectory of the narrative. So I am bigger than a smaller pair of pants. I can listen to that conversation, that sometimes shitty conversation in my head, and navigate that narrative from having power over me to empowering me by changing the words. I will share my experience in hopes of empowering others, And I do claim agency over how menopause affects my story. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) That was me just clapping. (laughs) (laughs) There's a mantra. So, and the purpose of word shop Mm. 
I mean, you could do one once and it will have some impact on you, but to continue the practice, especially for someone who might struggle with journaling, you can write four Mm. sentences. I like that. I like that because I do, as a writer, I oddly struggle with journaling because it's just not, you know, words are always in my head. They're always coming out of my fingers just to sit down and journal is just like nothing. Right. What? (laughs) I've given so much. (laughs) Right. But, um, but that I like a lot um, because it does like, it matters when I am out there and I am seven hours into what could be a nine hour bike event, you know, or a race, like everything I say to myself is everything. Is everything. It's, it is everything. What we say to ourselves can determine what happens. hundred percent. And changing the words in our head is not, it's not going to make you win the race. Right. It's not going to cure cancer or get you the job, but it's going to change how we navigate the challenges in our lives, how we handle those things. And that's, that's our agency. That's our empowerment is how we handle the things. And that, that can are, change the course of things. And it can change the course of things. Yes. So moving with this, this theme, <laughs> um, I, I also love your playlist because I too sort of trend towards the more eclectic and maybe some of the more darker elements of music sometimes. If if you had to put together just a few songs that would be on a on a perimenopause experience playlist, what what songs might you add to that? I, I actually made this playlist and I emailed it to you earlier. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's called CDE's menopause playlist. I'll have um, to link that. Yes, 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 yes. Let me pull it up. Where is it? My library. I'll do it on the computer. While you're looking that up, I know that you have the number 333 tattooed on you because <laughs> it's the it's the velodrome. I was born yeah. at 333 in the morning. I just I wanted read to share that. That. <laughs> that is so wild. I love those serendipitous details. Um I didn't know 333 was just a number that followed me around forever. And um, high school, college, you know, whether it was an address or a phone number or the time of day that something sort of serendipitous happened or I, something surprised me or I made a decision that was monumental. Um, suddenly it's I'm standing in front of a 333 address. It would happen regularly. Now, I know you look for things, you find them. Right. So, you know, with a little grain of salt, say it was my lucky number, whatever. But when I started racing on the velodrome, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't aware of like the 250 meter track versus the 333 meter track. I was just racing my bike. Right back in the nineties in the early to mid two thousands. And when I won my first master's national championship in the match sprints in Colorado in 2009, I got a photograph handed to me of myself crossing that finish line. And I'm just looking at that photograph and I notice right there at the finish line, it says three, three, three. And I said, wow, that's so crazy. And so I had to have it tattooed on my leg. I love that. That's the story. I've got my and I, I was going to say, I just called it up too. That is a, I am 100% going to put this in the show notes for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the first song on there is Zen with K flying. <laughs> I will I love it. I I love all of this. I like uh, Burn Your Village. That's, a, oh, that's Do you know this one by K.K. Rockwell? Oh, God. There's, you know, that song really gets me. Um, that the sort of the witchiness mm-hmm. associated with middle age and menopause. Um, yeah, I love that. I am not a woman. I'm a god. <laughs> There's a lot in here. It's awesome. Seize the power by I don't know mm-hmm. how you Yonaka. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. PJ Harvey, Susie and the Banshees. And then 30 Seconds to Mars, Alibi. I fell down and got back up again. Just speaks to me. 
And I don't know if you know an F. I oh. do. Yeah. Um, through your show, as a matter oh. of fact. Are your oh. show? I keep calling it your show. I, I know it's you your mean. class. I mean, it's a performance. Yes. <laughs> yes. And now there's this artist I just um, discovered in the last week or two, Ren. I don't know Ren. Now he's not singing about menopause, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but he, his work. He's an incredible storyteller and his, his, his music is beyond music. It's, it's theater. It's powerful mm-hmm. theater. And if you watch his videos, they're such incredible storytelling about the conversations we're having with ourselves in mm-hmm. the mental health um, space. And so I strongly, strongly recommend. Whew. This is going to be exciting. I'm very yeah. excited to dig into this list. It's a great list, folks. There's like 26 songs on this playlist. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I am giddy. I love music. Like I'm yeah. like, it's and discovering music and and this kind of like putting together playlists. So thank you for doing that. That is really great. I'm beyond Took excited. About four minutes. Oh, I, I was like, oh, yeah, boom, 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 boom. I, I really love it. So I have like a final question um, that I I hadn't sent your way, but I learned that you were in Dead Poet Society and you met Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I was what, a junior, senior in high school at the performing arts high school in Philadelphia, um, the private one. And they came to our school and did auditions and, um, my boyfriend at the time, Al Ruggiero, got to play Meeks, <laughs> which was wild. That wow. Was a, yeah, major part. And I was cast as an extra for the Shakespeare scene when he goes to when Robert Sean Leonard's character goes to the girls' school and auditions for the play, Midsummer Night's Dream. And I showed up on set and I got to meet Peter Weir. And he held my face. He put his hand on my face and turned my profile. He said, you should have been born in the 40s. Oh, my God. I thought, oh, I'm going to be a star. (laughs) And um, then I was handed the script and told to learn the lines for Titania, the queen of the fairies in Midsummer Night's Dream. So I went from... Uh, extra to day player. Wow. Yeah. And then I was staying in the hotel for a few days in Delaware and it was wild. And um, I, I think this was happening at the time when I, I had, I knew that I had gotten into Carnegie Mellon and I was so stoked about that because that was legit. <laughs> and, yeah, it is. And then Ethan Hawke, I met him there and he, I think he went to Carnegie for a minute <laughs> I think he went for like 60 seconds and then he like was getting cast and it's like, bye-bye. Um, so I was all starstruck by that. But the Robin Williams moment was um, after a rehearsal in the theater, I was standing there on the stage. The theater was clear. Nobody else was there. And I just, I was having this moment with myself of, I, I cannot believe I'm here. I'm actually in a movie like there's all these people I respect so much and like it's happening the sensation of a dream coming true like literally unfolding and in the back of the theater the door opens and Robin Williams steps in and I literally panicked I I said oh fuck I have to be funny And he says, Titania, with all of this flourish. And I'm like, oh, my God. 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 And he starts walking towards me and doing this, like, special, fancy, dramatic walk. And I said, oh, Robin. And he says, Titania. And I said, Robin. And it went back and forth and back and forth until he got to the bottom of the stage. And he put his hand up. And I pulled him up on the stage and he said thank you it was nice to meet you and went on his way <laughs> and that was it 
I mean, that was it, but it was, it, it was a moment of, it started as total panic. And then I found I was okay. Mm. And he was just, he is who he is, was, is, mm. is in our hearts and minds. And to go from being completely intimidated and full of anxiety about, oh my God, I have to be funny to like, you, no, just exist in this moment. You're meeting a, another human being who, yes, has had an impact on you. And um, and I don't know, that moment is, a, it's a punctuation in my life about, no, you're okay. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> you don't have to perform. You don't have to be anything other than what you are. I love that. I love everything about that. I, and I draw on that exact sort of mindset whenever, like, sometimes I give presentations, right? Or that kind of thing. And I'm just like, just be you, <laughs> you know, and that there's so many life lessons in that very simple thing. Like, it's okay. Just like, be you. Trust yourself. Yeah. Be true to yourself. Well, I loved every minute of this conversation. Is there anything um that we haven't touched on or that you wanted to make sure that you left women in this audience with um i think that what i would leave with is to remind ourselves that of what we just talked about that we are okay we don't have to pretend we can talk about what's real we should keep talking about what's real. And if we encounter resistance to that or opinions about that from others that I, I, I have this tool in my pocket, a couple of tools always in my pocket. And one is my breath, remembering to breathe. So that when those uncomfortable moments present themselves, I, and remembering to breathe helps me center myself, ground myself in being true to myself. And this is a newer tool for me, literally imagining there's a bubble around my heart and a bubble around me. And I am... I can see everything that's happening in the world. I can observe it, but it can't get to me. My bubble protects me. I am safe in my bubble and I am seen. Hmm. I am safe and I am seen at the same time. That has been a go-to imagery in my head for a while now. Um, and the last thing I would say is in that bubble to remember that we have agency over the conversation we're having with ourselves in our heads. We can redirect it. We can course correct it so that we are not beating up on ourselves, but instead we are putting a hand on our own back and supporting ourselves and empowering ourselves. Where did the bubble come from? Were you feeling vulnerable? Yes. <laughs> Very. Um, the bubble came from, I remember, it came from preparing for my retreat in Greece a year ago. And I wanted to create a space for everyone where they would feel safe like you say safe space but but literally a safe space because the work of word shop is it's vulnerable you're being yeah. honest with yourself and you're actually sharing some of that with the group um and i wanted to make sure that people felt safe and seen and I was allowing myself to write just free writing, whatever came to mind. And this started to spill out 
the same way, take your waistline off the finish line. And I am a, can I, will I do spilled out? It, it, it came from play, playing with words Mm. and allowing myself to write anything and everything that came to my mind. And suddenly there I was like a little kid blowing bubbles, trying to blow the perfect bubble, not too hard, not too light to make a big, beautiful bubble. And it just, so I have been sharing that in all of my retreats and many workshops since then. Um, And it's been a really, really powerful thing to keep coming back to to carry that bubble with you in life in your everydayness is uh it's very grounding i love that thank you for sharing that thank you for asking and thank you for being here because this has been a true treat (laughs) i am so so appreciative that we connected Well, that's our show. Come on back next week when I sit down with researcher and co-founder at Women Living Better, Nina Kozlov, who has been researching what many women experience, that so much of what happens during menopause can start many, many years before we or our doctors expect it to, and what that all means for our care. It's a great conversation. She's doing important work. So come on back for that one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. 